thinking that is kind of the less obvious, less measurable, less visible material that makes up the elements of the arts of language. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Julie, you look like you're thinking about something. (laughs) What's funny is I asked you today earlier, can we do a podcast on thinking? And I think you said, let me think about it. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I've heard from many men that wives will ask them, as my wife frequently does, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we just desperately have to lock onto one thing just to be able to give an answer, although... I have never met a woman who said that her husband would ask her, what are you thinking? Mm, I'm that that wife. My husband occasionally asks me what what I'm thinking, probably because I'm quiet, which means I'm probably up to something and he'd like to know what that is. Oh, yes. Well, that does make sense. But it's funny how we have a natural curiosity Mm -hmm. about other people's thoughts. Yes, yes. And that's a great segue into, obviously, our topic today is on thinking. But we're doing this after we've talked about listening, speaking, reading, writing, and now thinking. And I have several questions that I've jotted down here, but I want to start with this idea of can you actually learn to think? Is thinking a skill that you can then improve upon? Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Uh, No doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Because if anything, what we have observed is the the greatest block, the number one impediment to kids and writing is I don't know what to say. I can't think of anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's hung out with kids or tried to teach them for any length of time will have heard that. Right. It kind of came clear to me. And I think this may have been before you started working with us. But uh, there's a particular teacher in Spokane, Mm -hmm. Washington. And she came to an event and shared with me the story of a student who said to her at the end of the school year, she's teaching fifth grade, I think. And she said, Mrs. Idy, I learned more in your class this year than any other year of school. Wow. And Shirley thought, well... Shirley, one of the teachers. Yes. Shirley, Shirley, she thought. (laughs) And so Mrs. Idy, Shirley Mm -hmm. Idy, asked the girl, well, what do you think you learned that was so helpful? And she goes, you taught me how to think better. Mm -hmm. And the teacher, reflecting on that, realized the writing program, which he had used diligently for the whole school year, was probably the single most significant difference between what she was doing and what other teachers and other years had been doing. Right. And that got me 
kind of on this train of what are we really doing here? Mm-hmm. In fact, I wrote an article mm-hmm. by that title mm-hmm. once. We, we want improved test scores. We want kids who either write happily or at least with less less pain. <laughs> we want them to be prepared for the next step, whatever, whatever that is, high school, college, work. We want all of those external kind of tangibly noticeable benefits from our teaching, right? which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. We all want results. Mm-hmm. But perhaps what we're getting is deeper than what we're seeing. And since then, we have had countless conversations yes. about the relationship between not just the four arts of language, mm-hmm. which is how we got our title for our Megalog mm-hmm. and the podcast and all that, but the fifth or maybe what we might call the quintessential. Yes, it's convenient that it is the fifth. <laughs> it is the fifth, yes. <laughs> you know, the idea of, of the quintessence was the the ether or the kind of non-material substance that made up all the other elements, mm-hmm. you know, in medieval alchemy. Mm-hmm. And isn't it thinking that is kind of the less obvious, less measurable, less visu- visible material that makes up the elements of the arts of language. Right, because we don't have a grade on our report cards that says thinking. How did you do with your thinking? (laughs) (laughs) So if we were to touch base, like draw draw a connection between Mm -hmm. thinking and listening, well, obviously, listening is how we primarily acquire language for the bulk of the life where we're acquiring language the the quickest, the fastest. Mm When there's difficulty with auditory processing or environmental factors or anything that can make it harder to hear, it actually makes it harder to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed this one time very, very long ago when I was in a uh, teacher training course for kinder music. Okay. And uh, we had a professor of neuro, neuro something or other <laughs> uh, who talked to us about how music helps to build the auditory pathways that actually make language processing and therefore concrete rational thought right. more possible. And we talked about in our section on listening the value of ha- having music playing and having kids just stop and listen to music at a very yeah. young age. And, uh, you know, anyone who's interested my my talk, The mm-hmm. Profound Effects of Music on Life, mm-hmm. Uh, I do go into that that little chart, how kids move from the world of just vibration into a world of tone, from a world of tone into language, and then from a world of language into thought. And when when the ears uh, or the auditory system is handicapped or disabled, then we, we can find other pathways uh, with the uh, extraordinary example of Helen Keller. Right. And uh, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have mm-hmm. seen one or more versions of her story in The Miracle Worker and how it was that moment where the word water, not heard but put in the hands, but still the concreteness of the word was attached to the concreteness of the object, Mm -hmm. that it was kind of that moment of breakthrough that made Annie Sullivan's teaching possible from then forward. So that, that basic vocabulary acquisition. Yes, I know you say sometimes you can't think a thought you can't think. There might this could be argued with, I think, but 
I have said you can't think a thought you don't have the words、mm-hmm. to think it in.、Mm-hmm. Now, that's maybe a slight stretch because you could close your eyes and imagine something. You、mm-hmm. know, your granddaughter, for example, <laughs> or you know, a beautiful place you've been to, or、mm-hmm. you know, you could use your memory or imagination and have thoughts. But to make them concrete and communicable, you have to have the words, and that's where we see kids get stuck. They they say this is a very interesting book because all the characters are very interesting, and the plot is very interesting, and it was really interesting. <laughs> and you know, wh- why would they write a book report like that? Because they're limited in the words they have.、Mm-hmm. So, as we've discovered, when we give kids word lists and we give them things that build their vocabulary,、right. it actually gives them shades of meaning and the ability to express those shades of meaning superior to where they would have been without the vocabulary. Right. I was thinking as you were giving that example, interesting, interesting, interesting. That student needs our critique thesaurus, <laughs> so he can find some more interesting words. <laughs> yes, you know, I've noticed that this is true in the world of colors.、Mm. Um, my wife and I, and in my talk on teaching boys, we noticed that for the most part, females differentiate color with greater vibrancy or clarity and detail, and it's certainly true for my wife and I because, you know, she she will have the words to describe a particular shade. Of a particular color, which I would just simply call green, <laughs> and it, so my definition of green <laughs> is not very refined. Therefore, therefore, and here's the interesting thing: my understanding of green,、mm-hmm. my ability to communicate green,、mm-hmm. is not very refined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to study to learn more about color if I want to operate and think well. In that world, just hang out at the paint section of the local hardware store. <laughs> yes, well, at my point, I think the study would require more than just environmental accidental influences. <laughs> I would, I would have to work at it.、Yeah. But I think it's a, it's an interesting example, though. When you ask a child, I was just teaching a class two days ago,、mm-hmm. and a child wanted to describe a sunset on the Grand Canyon.、Mm. Only he got one sentence: the sunset on the Grand Canyon was very beautiful, and he was stuck. Yeah, he was hoping to write a whole paragraph、mm-hmm. about the sunset because in his mind、mm-hmm. he could see it, but he didn't have access to the ideas and the words.、Mm-hmm. So, what do you think I did to help him? <laughs> you started asking him questions. I did. I asked him to list some of the colors、mm-hmm. in the sunset.、Mm-hmm. Now that seems kind of self-evident,、mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you're going to write about a sunset, you would talk about colors. But he didn't automatically think that himself.、Mm-hmm. It wasn't a a reaction he had.、Uh, so I started asking him questions: What colors were in the sunset? How did it change?、Mm-hmm. What else changed during the sunset?、Um, did you hear or see? Anything other than the sunset, and so the paragraph mostly evolved into it was really, really cold. Oh, right! <laughs>、uh, but we did it.、Mm-hmm. We, you know, with the questions, he was able to find answers to those questions,、mm-hmm. 
and come up with enough content to write quite a nice little paragraph, you know, for probably 11-year-old kid, Sunset on the Grand Canyon. Lovely. Which made me want to not go there when it's too cold. (laughs) (laughs) So we've worked with these uh, different uh, categories of questions Mm -hmm. in many different ways over the years Mm -hmm. because that does seem to be the trick, doesn't it? Yep. We start in Unit 2. The question is very simple. Almost everyone can answer it. What are the key words in this sentence? And the key word in that question is key. <laughs> what are the key words? <laughs> so you ask a simple question. Mm-hmm. If you get an answer, you were able to think of something. Right. I also point out that our process in Unit 2, Unit 1 and 2, um, has had a significant effect on many children with comprehension mm-hmm. in reading, weak comprehension in reading. Right. Uh, kids can kind of watch words go by, think they read it, and then, you know, mom or a teacher will say, so what did it say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's happened to me too. Yeah, I've, I've read a page, turned the page, and thought, what did I just look at? What right. did I just read? Right. Um, but when you read a sentence and stop and ask yourself even a very simple question, what are the keywords here? It changes the nature of the way the mind and the text are interacting. Mm-hmm. I've had countless people say, yes, just just teaching kids simple keyword outlines, unit one, mm-hmm. has improved reading comprehension. Mm-hmm. And ultimately their thinking skills. Yeah. But of course, we go on. And we're not going to go through all nine units, but when I think of the questions in unit, even unit three, there are so many more questions. And it's just really fun to watch kids come up with the answers to those those questions and then be able to write, uh, summarize a narrative story. Yeah, summarize or retell Mm -hmm. or even elaborate because they may ask a question that isn't answered by the story, Mm -hmm. but they have a bit of imagination they can add to it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, the unit three questions, who's in the story, where and what are they like, what's their situation, where and mm-hmm. when did it happen, mm-hmm. uh, what is the problem or conflict, what did the characters think, say, or do, how is this resolved, why have this story, what message, what's it communicating. That little litany of questions, once it's on the wall or better yet memorized, allows the student to think about and retell and like I said, even expand on right. the story. Unit four, of course, the question gets uh, its a little different. You're back in the world of facts, but there's too many facts. Mm-hmm. So now you have to say, of all the facts that are there, which ones are the most relevant? Which mm-hmm. ones are the most interesting? Or which ones are the most important? You have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. To make a choice means you have to have judgment. To make a choice means you have to make a decision which requires an act of intellectual will. Yes. I think this is especially hard for students in this day and age because they think they can do it all. Yes, I want to be on the soccer team and play baseball and do football and swim. So this is also a life lesson. You can't do it all. You can only choose some of these interesting, important, or relevant facts and leave the rest behind and be okay with that. <laughs> well, yeah, and there there are some students who do struggle with that side of it. I, you know, but everything's interesting. Exactly. I'm sorry, you have a limit here. And that's that's why the paragraph model with mm-hmm. a limited number of facts mm-hmm. teaches that valuable skill. I know early on 
Dr. Webster continuously impressed on me the that that he had designed these things to teach that skill of limiting. Mm, mm-hmm. Because the higher up you go in education, the more and more information oh, yes. you have to sift through and mm-hmm. sort through. You've got to be able to say, I will pay attention and possibly use that. This is not going to make the cut. I got to go past it now. Because if you think you're going to say everything there's to say about everything, you get overwhelmed and frustrated very quickly. Yeah, I can't help but think. There's that word again. Dr. Webster was teaching pre-internet days. <laughs> what would he think today of all the information available? Yes. Yeah. There was probably about as much information mm-hmm. in that you're always limited to what your time and space can mm-hmm. accommodate. Mm-hmm. It just came from a different source. Mm-hmm. He would have students in libraries with dozens or hundreds of relevant books. Right. We tend to have websites, mm-hmm. you know, dozens or hundreds of well relevant websites. And in a way, we can search and sort a little bit faster, a little a mm. little more efficiently. I suppose if you'd say, well, the information is infinite, but the cup of your consciousness yes. <laughs> is what limits mm-hmm. that. Uh, but you know that's a that's a life skill. Mm-hmm. Kids have to to work through it. So, and then um, speaking. Yes, this is interesting because I say, and people who've heard the TWSS seminar will have heard me say that very often children, young children, left on their own, will talk to themselves, mm-hmm. and this is very important. Mm-hmm. This talking to yourself. Because what you're doing is you're you're speaking an idea into existence. So it, it previously existed in some form, maybe a visual, maybe a, a memory, maybe an image, maybe a word form. But to get that concrete in your mind, you kind of speak it into existence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so young children left on their own will do this. Anyone who spent any time with a five-year-old or a four or three or sometimes eight, mm-hmm. right, will notice that they will talk to themselves mm-hmm. and that this is a good and healthy and important process. Yep. And then at a certain point, someone kind of convinces them it's odd to talk <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> it's socially not quite appropriate. Mm-hmm. So try not to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we gain little by little that skill of talking internally an internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. And then when we reach another age point, we start to talk to ourselves again (laughs) so we can hear what we're thinking. That's right. That's right. So that speaking, you know, the relationship between hearing and then being able to recognize, read, write, use Mm -hmm. is so vital. Reminds me of a, a quote from Francis Bacon. He said, reading maketh a full man, Mm -hmm. speaking maketh a ready man, writing maketh an exact man. Mm -hmm. And I think we can see that, you know, the more you read, the more ideas you've got, the more ideas you've got, the more thoughts you can think about Mm -hmm. various things. Right. And then when someone wants you to speak right now, you kind of have to be ready. And of course, uh, a lot of our students and, and teachers I know have worked with students, and they'll do uh, impromptu. 
public speaking. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote or a prompt. You have two minutes to prepare, mm -hmm. and then give a five five minute speech.、Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you watch the students. You know, first time they try this, it's pretty awful. Do they go too short or too long? Generally, too short.、Uh -huh. They just run out. I, I can't think of anything <laughs> else to say, and that's okay. Sure.、Um, you know, I think the practice and the competitive environments、uh, in you know speech and debate for students、mm -hmm. is comfortable enough that the students can ha have a rough time of it, and then they become a little more teachable.、Mm -hmm. If you have a bad experience, <laughs> and then someone offers you some. Some ways to practice and get better and think better, and then of course observing other people. But it is that readiness,、mm -hmm. and we respect that in our society.、Mm -hmm. We respect someone who can quickly organize their thoughts, articulate them intelligently and clearly, and pleasantly, respectfully,、mm -hmm. and and that's a skill that can definitely be developed. Right. Certainly, some people have an aptitude that's higher than others, but everyone can improve.、Mm -hmm. So, listening, speaking, reading—you talked about reading making make the full man, right? So, and the, yeah, reading makes the full man, speaking makes the ready man,、mm -hmm. and then writing、yes. makes the exact man.、Mm -hmm. And this is really where the thinking is crystallized and permanentized in a way.、Mm -hmm. I am quite sure that you and I, and probably almost all our listeners, have had this experience. We must write something. <laughs> yes. And so we start the process of writing it, and by the end of writing it, we think, "Wow, now I actually understand this."、Mm -hmm. Yep. At least a bit better. Right. If I hadn't taken the time to write this out. I would have thought I understood it, but it was that act of refining the vocabulary and the syntax and the sequencing of ideas,、mm -hmm. and then looking perhaps even for some of the schemes or tropes, you know, a simile or a an, an analogy to put in, where you start thinking, "Well, I'm getting it now."、Mm -hmm. So we teach this high school essay intensive course.、Mm -hmm. We have it on video. And、um, I teach it still, you know, many times a year. Sure. And I, I very much enjoy teaching it、uh, because what I do is I force them cold, <laughs> right out of the the shoot, with no help and no preparation, to write a twenty minute essay, and I ignore them. And for some, it is very painful. Yeah. And then I teach the whole day, and then I make them write another twenty minute essay, and at the end I say, "So, how do you feel?" And everyone, almost universally, is amazed that they could learn something and apply it. And now, what they're doing is so much better. So, you know, what what can you teach in one day? Well, I think the biggest one is this power of questions、mm -hmm. and、uh, teaching them different categories of questions, so that they can start to. Use that and access that. So, what are those questions, and what are the categories? Well, the the first set of questions is just your who, what, where, why, when, how. Sure. You、yeah. know the the ones Kipling wrote the poem about the、mm -hmm. six, you know, trusted servants that、mm -hmm. taught me all I knew,、mm -hmm. and 
I know a young person who sends them out on a thousand <laughs> missions, but I have to work. I'm very busy all day, so I give them a break. It's a marvelous poem. And, and so you kind of start there, and then you look at extensions off of that. Uh, one thing we've talked about before is this idea of how do you get over the hump, the initial hump? If someone says, write about trees, how do you get from what should I write about trees mm -hmm. to I think I know what I could write about trees? Mm -hmm. And that then is the skill of division. This is taking the subject, whatever it is. Trees. <laughs> trees or friendship or microphones or, mm -hmm. you know, molecules, <laughs> right? right? And then saying, what are the things about aspects of elements topics pertaining to. And, uh, of course, in Unit 7, in the TWSS, I tell, you know, the story of, of little Nicholas and his, I can't think of anything. Right. And that initial step of making the divisions about something, mm -hmm. it makes all the difference in the world. I think that Unit 7 practicum that, that we do it is very dramatic because mm -hmm. I usually try to find something that's super hard. Like, please write a 500-word essay on pocket lint. Right. And people are like, how could you do that? And then we start with the process. What are some things about aspects mm -hmm. of topics pertaining to? And they come up with some ideas. What might they come up with? Well, if you don't mind, I'd rather not talk about pocket lint. I'd rather talk about cotton balls because I love that. That's what we did in the new TWSS. Oh, did we? Yes. Okay. So, cotton so, balls. Okay. So what are some things about aspects of topics pertaining to cotton balls? Well, the, its uses. What are they made of? Uses made of cotton, obviously. <laughs> well, they might, there might be synthetic they cotton. They could be. You're right. I'm some right. benefits. Some benefits. Dangers. Dangers of cotton <laughs> balls. Um, and then in the TWSS, I love this. You said, what is uh, the... Like get philosophical about cotton balls, right, are they yeah. tender and soft? And what, 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 what's the meaning yes. of cotton balls? <laughs> but what's so interesting is the, the participants who originally feel, good heavens, how could I write a lot you know, about that? Good heavens, 500 words isn't enough. There's right. so much to say. Exactly. And that's the experience students have when they get that skill of division. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a practicable, learnable mm -hmm. thinking skill. Mm -hmm. Then... We move to the next of the essential thinking skills, which is comparison. So what is this like? Mm -hmm. And if you stuck with cotton balls, you could say, well, cotton balls are like... Dandelion fluff. Dandelion fluff because... They're round and white and fluffy. Okay. Cotton balls are like... What else? The clouds in the sky. In oh, what way? Well, they're fluffy and white and... Well, they're not really soft because you can't touch a cloud. But Well, but it looks soft. It does look soft. And then you could say, how is a cotton ball like a cell phone? <laughs> hmm. hmm. That's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. But any two things can be compared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You hold them both in your hand. The um, size is relatively the same. You know, yeah. it's obviously a cell phone is generally bigger. You, but you it's smaller swipe. than a room. You swipe with a phone and you swipe with a <laughs> yeah. cotton ball. I just thought of that. This is very good. Yeah. Uh, you can have it in your pocket and forget about it. Forget that it's like, there. Like, where's my phone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my pocket. So the, the interesting thing I've learned over years of doing this with students is 
that when you practice comparing mm-hmm. two things, you actually end up understanding both of them a little bit more and having raw ideas to work with. I, I just think of all of us who are listening to this podcast who have done that compare and contrast essay and have no idea what to do. There, you just explained it to us in two minutes. And, and I don't think that's a first step mm, right. in a process of learning to write it. Of course not. But And then um, I know we're running out of time, but um, the third essential thinking skill uh, that I teach in the HSE is then application. In other words, who cares? Right? <laughs> Who's going to use this thing? Who? The person who applies application yeah. makeup so with their cotton ball. <laughs> who cares about cotton balls? Mm-hmm. And and then you make a list. Mm-hmm. You got people who do makeup and girls and boys who want to start fires and <laughs> you know, if you, you if you got a nice group of people, mm-hmm. you can come up with 100. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you more to work with. Mm-hmm. And then the last question is what's the significance? In other words, so what? I met a teacher once, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I've been teaching essay writing by the who cares, so what method. Okay. <laughs> which high school kids could relate to. You yes, know, it's exactly. Active vocabulary. <laughs> who cares? So what? <laughs> um, those are, you know, kind of pointing toward the direction of the common topics of Aristotle, which people in classical education high school or college will sometimes mm-hmm. study. They're mm-hmm. a little, little more abstract, a little harder to wrap the, the mind around. But this, I believe, is a good starting point. And then, of course, once you have accessed the inventory mm-hmm. of all the ideas that you can about something, some people might call this brainstorming, but it has a little more method to it, mm-hmm. right. uh, a little more intentionality, then you can use the idea of of arrangement, of a structure, then you can impose a structure on the inventory mm-hmm. in order to invent. Right. And uh, I think many of our listeners knew we, we had Unit 7 in Webster Syllabus. When he created it, it was creative writing. Right. And we changed that not just because of the baggage that is affixed with the term creative writing. Everybody has their own history with that word. We're not writing <laughs> poetry, expression. therefore we're not really doing creative yeah. writing kind of but, idea. But uh, invention comes from the Latin verb invenio, meaning to find mm-hmm. or discover. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay, so we're going to find stuff, can't find something that's already that isn't already there. We're going to discover what we do know, not worry about what we don't know, but find what we do, assemble an inventory, get our box of mental Legos out, and now we can choose Mm-hmm. Uh, and organize and come up with a product. And the writing is the one that forces that to the final end. And anyone who's been at this long enough realizes you can spend minutes on just one word, just trying to find mm-hmm. the perfect word. Or Oscar Wilde once wrote in a letter to a friend, he said, I spent the morning editing one of my poems. I took out a comma. <laughs> this afternoon, I put it back. <laughs> that, you know, you reach that level of refinement mm-hmm. in written expression mm-hmm. that is as precise as you are capable of. Mm-hmm. And that's how all those skills are 
integrated completely. And then in the end, what do we have? Mm -hmm. An exact thinker. Right, exactly. Or we're all hopefully on the path yes. to that. I mean, <laughs> it, it isn't like you ever will reach a point and say, I am a now a perfect piano player. Nope. There is no more to learn. Yeah. Uh, likewise, we will never say, I am a perfect writer. We can always learn and practice. Right. And Lord knows we need more thinkers in this world today. So Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we're really doing here, isn't it? That is what we're really we, doing. We pretend to teach language arts, mm -hmm. but what we're really hoping for is better thinking. So grateful to be on this team. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.